This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we spend the best part of an hour discussing Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And we've just hit 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel this week. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see all of our new videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And a big welcome to Jason Stockwell, who's joined our Bobby Stokes tier this week. So thank you for your support, Jason. Thanks also to our sponsors this week, Pundit Games. Pundit is a new card-based football trivia game that you can play anywhere. You can play as a group or in a pair. Rounds last around 45 minutes. There's 900 questions to get through across various categories like 90s Premier League, the Three Lions, the World Cup. There's Italian legends, to name just a few. Pundits are offering TSP listeners 20% off their first purchase when they use the code SAINTS. So head to punditgames.co.uk and you'll be able to enter the code as you check out. You can find the link on the website and you'll find the code in the YouTube and the podcast description. So coming up this week on the pod, Saints are searching for their third manager of the season after Nathan Jones was sacked on Sunday morning. But what went wrong and where do we go next? Plenty to get into today. Another defeat at home, this time to 10-man Wolves. Plenty to discuss there. And it's Chelsea next, so we'll preview the game and make our predictions. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Alfie House is the Southampton reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 221 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. The Saints of Sacks manager Nathan Jones after seven defeats in his eight Premier League matches. First team coaches Chris Cohen and 
Alan Sheehan have also left the club as confirmed in a statement early on Sunday morning. Glenn, I think it might have been your diary of Nathan Jones that perhaps was the final <laughs> nail in the, in the coffin this week. But um, uh, no surprise this morning to to see that statement. Uh, celebrate good times. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think my diary had much to do with it. However, yeah, it's, it was absolutely inevitable. You, you are always slightly worried that it's not going to happen. But there was no way he could survive that. I suspect it had already been decided after Brentford, to be to be perfectly honest, and, and yesterday wouldn't have made the slightest difference. But, you know, you, you think we can't go any any lower and we, we find a way to dig down <laughs> into a new layer of sludge altogether and, um, and lose to 10 men. You know, the fact that it was Mario Lamina got sent off as well, which <laughs> was another was another thing that made it a, a totally surreal day but no he he absolutely had to go we've all known he he's had to go for a long long time mm. well relatively a long long time like I say before we won those three games I'd have got rid of him after the Nottingham Forest game without a doubt and I think Steve said he would have got rid of him at half time <laughs> in that game <laughs> <laughs> a little bit harsh perhaps but uh but no there, there, there was there was no redeeming features when when you're like that as a character you are totally relying on your team winning and you know to to keep people at least relatively happy and there was there was none of that the results alone were enough to get rid of him and that's that's before you get into the um the embarrassment he caused on a daily basis every time he opened his mouth and um you know it's a classic it's a classic indication that you know the premier league is 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 such a big deal my criticism of sport republic is that they said the championship was a comparable league and it, it just isn't because if he'd said all these stupid things when he was manager of Luton, it wouldn't have been national news. It wouldn't have been on Match of the Day, Five Live. They wouldn't have been writing about it in The Athletic, probably. You know, that's, well, that's I assume he thing. probably has said those sort of things while manager of Luton. And we, must we're have just done. Must have done. Yeah. But once you're in the Premier League, you've, you've got to keep your mouth in check because anything you say is going to be blasted everywhere. And... Um, yeah, he he bought he bought it on himself from that point of view, but it was it's ultimately his limitations as a football coach um, and a football manager that have um, that have done for him. And um, yeah, I can't say anything other than I'm I'm delighted he's gone. It's probably too late for us to dig ourselves out of it this season, but there's there's still a chance. That's the big question I think we'll get on to later. Where do we go next and is it too late? Alfie, I'm sure it's been a busy day for you running the the live blog and, and dealing with speculation, but this was never going to be a Sunday where you, you file your match report and turn your phone off, was it? There was, it was always going to happen today. Yeah, no, I set an alarm for 7am, half 7, 8, half 8 and then 9, um, which was all pointless in the end. So I went for 10 to 10. Um, but yeah, like the, the first thing I say is that I, I do genuinely feel a little bit for Nathan Jones, and just on the on the point of that, he he probably did deserve a Premier League chance. The job he did at Luton was, to be fair, exceptional, and the way it sort of crumbled down around him after just sort of eight games, I don't think he would have foresaw that. Um, even even with the, the the clear insecurity that he had in that seat, he never felt like he was a Premier League manager. I think that was ultimately one of his main downfalls. I don't know, like Glenn, we sort of spoke about there. You know, what did he say those things when he was manager at Luton? I don't know. For me, I felt like he was probably saying even more nutty things than he ever would because he, he didn't really believe in himself and he wanted to, to give off that character a little bit. But I think he's a better bloke than he's come across. Um, I think it's a shame that he's sort of upset supporters in the way he has. But ultimately, the football does the talking and the football, you know, up until Wolves yesterday wasn't very good. And the performance actually yesterday was was pretty decent to be fair up until the 70th minute. And I felt that we were going to have a nice, quiet week. Um, it might kick the can down the road anyway. It might still be too late regardless. But I thought 1-0, 10 men, 
happy days just see it through but there's um there's not enough uh, mental fortitude, I don't think, in that squad, and, and they need something from from somewhere else, and they're not getting that from the the defenders, and they're not getting that from the manager. So, yeah, the one that we expected to happen, bit of a shame, but um, fingers crossed. Do, do you think, Alfie? Just before I come to you, Steve, do you think, Alfie, it was the right manager, but the wrong time? And actually, if this was the start of the season where there is a bit more time, is it just that he presided over that really key period of games where we needed to pick up some points and, and didn't? Was was it just the wrong block of fixtures for him? Yeah, well, look, he had the the easiest fixture of the season. If we're going to talk about a block of fixtures, you know, the, the the games against the bottom six, bottom eight were all in the last uh, last eight, and they've they've won one of them and lost the rest of them. So it wasn't it, the, the fixtures itself weren't the problem. I think the the six week break. I think he might have made an error um, coming into that six week break. I think he probably and this is all pop psychology. I don't know uh, exactly, but I think he may have not believed in himself as as a manager and, and thought the players wouldn't perhaps take to him as they would an elite level coach like Ralph Hasenhall. He wanted to win them over, gave them two weeks off when they didn't need two weeks off. They needed to learn. They needed mm-hmm. to drill. Gave them two weeks off because in football, time is currency. You know, they've got everything they ever need. They've got the, the money and the, the lifestyle, but they don't have much time. Um, so to give them two weeks off, they're probably buzzing with that. Get them on the side. But they then take them away for a week-long holiday in Spain. I'm sure they worked hard, but no pressure, really. No pressure at all. Nothing to mould the players. Nothing to, to teach them what they wanted. And then they come back, uh, you know, Brighton. Everyone's going, well, look, we've got six weeks practice here. What, what are we going to see? And we saw something that was really not out to scratch. And that was already enough for some supporters, wasn't it? Really, They, they were already yeah. decided upon that. Yeah. I know, Steve, you picked up on the, the fact that the first thing he did was give them that two weeks off and, and let them go away on a holiday. Great to see the corner flag as well, because we didn't get that. We were expecting that this morning. We've got the outside of the stadium, which they tend to go for <laughs> these days. Loads of facts and quotes and things flying around today. 11 Premier League managers managed to get at least a point at St Mary's this season. Nathan Jones, not one of them, yes. um, was one of my favourite uh, quotes from earlier today. And uh, somebody else talking about his 100% record at St Mary's, four league games and four defeats. Steve, where did it all go wrong for you? Was it just just coming in at the start and, and the wrong appointment completely. I mean, yeah, I mean, just everything. I mean, there's there's no other than that week, that one week um, where we strung together a vague bit of competency for a, for a brief period. Basically, it's been an absolute shambles from, from start to finish. We've not looked like there's a plan. We've not looked like the players really know what the manager's asking them to do. And I remember speaking to, had, had a weird conversation, just happened to be in, in the presence of a coach who'd, who'd coached at Premier League and Championship clubs. And one of the, one of the things that he said was that just the, the difference in the, the detail in coaching from Premier League and Championship is just an absolute world apart, which is why the whole, I mean, coming back to what Greg said, uh, Glenn said earlier, the um, the whole thing with Ankerson saying, oh, well, I think, um, I don't think the Championship is, is too far below the Premier League. I'm sorry, but that's just absolute nonsense. Um, there is, it's an absolute world away and it's only managers who are able to adapt. And I mean, you have to, you kind of have to learn on the job, I suppose, if you've never managed at that level before. Um, naturally, but I don't think he ever he ever thought that that he needed to change. Um, I don't know whether it whether it's one of sort of a lack of a lack of sort of foresight. Um, so I know that in in the past we've heard of managers when they're not in jobs have gone and sort of overseen training sessions done by other top managers, whether in this country or in Europe or, or wherever. Has Jones done the same sort of thing? Has he gone and, and has he phoned up? I don't know. I mean, give an example. Marcelo Bielsa is an example. Strachan did it as well, didn't he? I remember yeah. Strachan doing it. Um, Eddie did, Howe. Yeah, Eddie Howe did, has done it recently yeah. when he was did out he, again. Did he phone, phone some random manager up who's got a 
sort of wide reputation and, and the wide ranging CV and say, can I come and, and observe some of your training sessions to learn? And by all accounts, most managers are pretty receptive to this sort of thing. And it just genuinely looks as if he's never, never learned what's required at, of the level. And so as a result, that's a, that's a lack of preparation on, on his part. And it's a lack of research on Sport Republics. I was going to ask about the blame game, Glenn, to a certain extent, because it's not a, a job you're going to turn down if it's offered. So does no. ultimately the fault lie with, with Rasmus Ankerson and, and the appointment in the first place and, he, and his metrics that we've talked so much about over the last three months? Um, yeah, short answer, yes. I mean, when, when Ralph finally got, got sacked, the name of Nathan Jones, was it, it, it came up pretty quickly, didn't it? And then it was a done deal. So they'd obviously been looking at him for a while. So it does suggest there was some level of um, due diligence done, but clearly not enough, or they just over-trusted the, um, the spreadsheets and, um, and uh, didn't, really, didn't really consider the, the, the levels argument that we're talking about. I mean, that, that was, um, do you remember the, the Paul Doswell interview? Mm. Um, he was, he was right, most, wasn't he? Ultimately. The most in, yeah. yeah, the most interesting part of that was I thought was him talking about that mic'd up training session that the club put on social media, saying that it was incredibly basic, um, that the the stuff that Jones was sort of telling the players, and uh, that's kind of stuck with me the whole time. And and, and I've seen you watch some yesterday. Um, though we played well in terms of putting Wolves under pressure for the first hour, it was incredibly basic. You know, um, James Bree at right back seemed to be out there solely to win headers that were, you know, where Bazunu pinged the ball long to him, and 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 it, it's 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 frighteningly basic when you when you think about it. So so that that I think was his, um, you know, was the was the downfall. But yeah, I, I agree with Steve. He he should have made efforts to realise, and he should have realised that playing the the Luton Town way is not going to work at Premier League level. You know, you've got to managers should be judged on what they do with the resources they have available to them and and they need to find the best way to play with the resources they've got and he kind of to me hasn't done that yeah we've got a seven foot center forward now but we didn't have one earlier on but you know we we played like we we played like we and we tried to play like we had if Everton had appointed Sean Dyche one week earlier we'd have lost every single game Mm. under Jones and and it's just it's just not been good enough. And he, he's looked painfully out of his depth since the first game. And you mentioned the um, mentioned the break, where I I couldn't believe that Lincoln City game. What was it, the twenty first of December? Yeah. yeah. Where I, there was nothing, there was nothing new. There was no impetus, and that was horrifying. And then I think it was Brighton after that. That was horrifying as well. And but we all said, "Oh, Brighton are a really good side." Fair enough. And then Nottingham Forest, which was just the worst game ever. So, you know, I think I think Sport Republic obviously have to take a, a, a massive part of the blame for appointing him. However, in in my eyes, they've kind of bought themselves a bit of grace simply with the amount of money and investment that they put into the club. And it, at the end of the day, as they said at the fans forum the other day, they absolutely do not want to get relegated. So, you know, it, it's going to, it's not going to look terribly great on Rasmus and um, and and um, Sport Republic if we if we do go down. So, uh, you know, again, we're in. I'm saying the same words that we said after after Ralph. We've got, we've just got to trust them to get it right this time. 
Mm. So looking ahead then, it's done. We can look ahead. We can look forward. Alfie, do you think the next appointment is going to be a, a short-term appointment with just the view of staying in the league? Or is it going to be a bit of a longer-term, a rebuild, get us back when the inevitable happens? Yeah, I personally think the next appointment has to be somebody who is willing and ready to, to take them out of the championship. You know, God forbid they go down. Um, we really hope they don't. But realistically, there's quite a perilous situation and you need to be prepared for it. And I think that if you go for, a, like you say, a stopgap, I mean, this wouldn't happen, obviously. And if, if it does, I'll be very surprised. But like a Sam Allardyce, you spend the next three months trying to stay up and you don't. Um, you then you've wasted three or four months of, of, a, of a tactical reset. Of a, you know, So bring someone in who, who fits the philosophy, um, you know, for example, like Jesse Marsh, um, get someone who who is ready to to manage in the championship. He wants to take them out of the league, knows for well that perhaps they will go down in May. But in the meantime, doesn't annoy the fans so much that they lose all support. You know, they they have to keep the fans on side through relegation if that's going to happen. And not everyone can do that. That's the, the the big the question here, isn't it? There's there's too many unknowns, and that's why I'm glad that we're not responsible, Steve. Obviously, Jesse Marsh was the first name that got uh, touted around this morning. Stephen Gerrard, wasn't it? Was still one of the favourites as well, and and you kind of know that that's not going to happen. Mm. But I, Steve, I was just like, oh, not Jesse Marsh, surely. You know, we're, is it two wins in the last seventeen games, and and then he had the same. It, he can't. He hasn't won games in the Premier League, so I'm not convinced. But but you think it might be a good appointment. Um, I mean, he won enough games at the back end of last season to keep an absolutely dreadful lead side up when sort of under their lord and saviour, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, they were free-falling um, straight through the trapdoor and back into the championship. Um, so I think he, he did a much better job at Leeds than people give him credit for. And there is this, I do genuinely believe there is this underlying sort of xenophobia towards American, I mean, any American involvement in, in football just because of the fact that they call it soccer, which is mental, given that it was originally called soccer for short in this country. The the history of the word is English. So it's absolutely ludicrous that 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 kind of stigma hangs over them and obviously not helped by the likes of um, Bob Bradley um, or um, or Glenn. What was the the, uh, soccer AM um, equivalent that they came up with that Oh, Brad, Brad Bobley. Brad, Brad Bobley, Bobley, that was the one. Yeah, where they just did a massive parody of him, and it was, and yeah, and he and he was awful, and it just didn't. And the problem, yeah, you get this, you get this stigma attached to um, American coaches when they come over. When actually, I mean, someone like Marsh has got a great pedigree. Um, he's won, he's won trophies with clubs before. He's well versed on sort of multi-club models and um, working with young players and working to a kind of profit making sort of um, transfer system where you accept that you accept your position in the food chain you work to improve and with the idea that over time you can if you generate enough profit then you've obviously then got the money to reinvest in and buy better starting players you're then starting from a slightly higher base and it's it just, it just kind of makes sense for the for the whole sort of sport republic model of what they what they want to achieve and I mean, this is kind of the sort of a, the sort of coach I was expecting us to to appoint in November. Um, so when Jones was linked, it it, it came as a, a huge surprise, and it was and I, I was kind of thinking that 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 can't be right, surely. And yet, all of a sudden, he gets thrust into it, and the idea of of sort of having this um, sort of bit of experience, but also sort of happy to sort of work the system, if you like, had kind of been thrown out the window completely. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of fine with it. I think 
I think he's he's all right. The problem the problem is, I mean, I've I've seen a hell of a lot of um, social media posts already um, just this afternoon from Saints fans turning their nose up at him. It's like, but the problem the problem we have we are bottom of the league with um, sixteen yeah. games to play. We are not in a position to. I mean, I I genuinely saw someone um, su- suggesting that we should um, reappoint Mauricio uh, Pochettino on a rolling contract. <laughs> It's like, I mean, come on, guys. Seriously, can yeah. we can we wake up and real and realize who we are and, and what position we're in at this at this point? Um, it's ab- absolutely ludicrous. It's a really good point, Glenn, as well, because Leeds are what a week ahead of us in their search for a new manager, and it seems to, on the face of it, they're they're struggling. They've had a couple of people turn down, if rumors are true, turn down the offers of the job there. So yeah, um, it's going to be a tough tough one for to get someone in. It is. Um... Oh, it was saying before the show. I mean, I thought Jesse Marsh was being linked with the national team job in America simply because I think their their manager's on the way out and they've got a home World Cup coming up in four months. So they want someone to oversee that. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he'll um he'll be more interested in that job. But there's always the um the argument about, you know, managers, I don't know how old Marsh is, whether he'd be of an age where he'd want, you know, it tends to be older people that take um, national manager's job so whether whether he'd be interested in stepping out of the day-to-day management or not I don't know but um, yeah I kind of I kind of agree with um, with what Steve said you know he's he's available whether he'd want to jump back in straight away bearing in mind his first game would be away at Leeds because it kind of writes itself <laughs> doesn't it? he's not doing this Chelsea hello one. narrative Alfie, fans yeah. Alfie's got the headlines ready to go <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they'll go for someone like him. But it, yeah, it will be it will be difficult. And and people like Pochettino or Thomas Tuchel, it's just like whatever. I'd rather I'd rather someone like Jesse March than than Lampard or Gerrard, who are going to be the other names that are going to come up in the next sort of week or so. But are we expecting then, Glenn, whoever it is, is not going to be this person that's going to come in and, and unite the fans, as it were, because, as Steve mentioned, the social media posts, I'm just looking at some of the comments we've had already. Some saying, actually, you know, Jesse Marsh would be great. Others probably 50-50 at the moment saying, not the, the sure. One, the, the one caveat I have about Jesse Marsh is not it's not a football one. It's if I've got a mate who's a Leeds fan and I sort of pinged him a message just before this because I knew we'd be talking about it. And the general the general feeling is that he he talked rubbish after games. Yeah. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and he, you know, when when you're not getting results, if if you come out with stuff that, you know, that is basically a bit off the wall, then you know that that's a bit of a problem. So that that was my, that, I mean, that but that's just one Leeds fan. I don't really know what the what the general feeling was sort of like towards him from that point of view. But I do think our our fan base, we've we did get let down basically with the manager that we appointed last time um you know we had four years of relative stability under Ralph but you know a lot of people were screaming for him to go for the last year and a half of that so uh yeah we we have to get real and Jesse Marsh has got some Premier League experience he's got some top league experience in Germany so I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world and if we could mess around with a time machine and 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 have appointed him when we appointed Nathan Jones. We wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. Who do you think is going to be leading on this, Alfie? If Jones was a Rasmus appointment, do you think the next one will be more of a, a Martin Simmons call? And I, I know that in Jacob's piece today, he was saying that Jesse Marsh had been highlighted by the club or they, they picked up on him before the Sport Republic takeover. So it, it, is it going to be more of a, a team effort, do you think, on this? Or, or is that how they did Nathan Jones anyway? 
Well, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not exactly 100% privy to everything that goes on in the boardroom, but the impression that we that everybody gets, you know, even from the fans forum and sort of speaking to the guys afterwards, is very much that you know, Rasmus Ankersen led on that one and and is leading on the, the general day to day things with Henry Kraft. So he said it in the fans forum that it's a you know, it's never a one-man show, and I'm sure that's correct in a way, but I would imagine that the normal service will resume in, in that sense. And um, I don't think Martin Simmons is necessarily going to be saying, well, you, you bugger the last one, so I'm going to have a go. I don't think that's how it works. But <laughs> what I will say about Jesse Marsh is that I think it, do, it does actually suit the, the personnel and the players. You know, he wants to play this 4-2-3-1, um, which is, is a 4-2-2 hybrid, but it's the number 10 that, that plays, the central number 10 that plays as a, as a forward as well, so whether that's James Ward-Prowse, who you know, has had been playing as a striker effectively under Nathan Jones. You've got Suleimana, and the thing about his wingers, they're very narrow as well. And Suleimana played just off Paul Anyaku on, on the weekend. And so they've got the personnel there. The only one that might struggle was... Samuel Adozi or or Musa Gineppa. There's no real natural role in the team for those sorts of wingers. But I think that the way it's set up right now, it, it doesn't look too bad. And my, obviously my colleague at the Daily Echo is American and he says that um, the the American journalist, the feeling is that he doesn't want the national team job um, for the reasons that Glenn has said. So it'd be interesting to see if that, that is true. Keep an eye on that. Steve, the other option, just before we move on, Ruben Sellers has been put in charge for what we think may be the Chelsea game, um, certainly to prepare the team for the Chelsea game. Seems to be highly regarded among players. Any sense in giving him the gig till the end of the season and see where we are? I mean, the the problem is that he's got no managerial experience, as far as I'm aware, only coaching experience. And the two are kind of very different roles, I think. And it's, it's one of those where how do Sport Republic kind of view our situation do do they view it as a lost cause like many many of many of the fan base do seem to be kind of saying well it's it's a complete write-off we might as well might as well kind of not worry about what happens for the rest of the season but actually I mean you look at the league table with four points from 17th from 17th place goal difference is worse so effectively five points to make up in 16 games now the run-in isn't easy by any stretch of the imagination but I mean you you see weird results all the time. And to be honest, it probably only needs just a little bit more organisation and a slight improvement in performance, um, literally fractions. And all of a sudden, we'll start getting results. And then the confidence builds. All of a sudden, you get you get a couple of stick of, um, two or three performances under your belt, even if you don't necessarily get the results, as long as there's, there's signs that... that the players are working out what they need to be doing, then all of a sudden everyone can get behind it and um, and you never know. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, we've got someone coming on in a minute who was at that fans forum just to to talk about that. So um, we'll get their view on that in just a moment. There was 
a defining afternoon at St Mary's yesterday, really. Wolves came from a goal down with a man down um, and we lost 2-1 despite taking the lead. Um, same old problems. Glenn, I think the thing that you picked up for me yesterday was Prousey passing that last free kick. Uh, <laughs> was, was a guaranteed, let's get rid of Nathan Jones. Let's. What can I do? Can I hit the wall? No, I'm just going to knock it to Maitland-Niles. It was weird. And it yeah, was it almost worked. One. Yeah, it was the second one he passed during the game, because they, they had one on the left-hand side at the start of the second half, I think it was. And it again, it was very, very close to the edge of the box, so a little bit too close to go up and down. But I was thinking, let Paro smash this one, because this is exactly the same as the Blackpool one. You know, this is a this is a left-footed smash it and see what happens. But they tried to pass that one as well. And that kind of almost worked. They tried to, I think they tried to do the, the Dutch free kick from the World Cup against Argentina, where they tried to feed it into Salisu, of all people. So it didn't work. But uh, but yeah, it was it was it was strange that he went to um, that he went to pass that one at the end, because, you know, again, you're thinking that this is the last chance saloon. I was very much tongue in cheek saying he passed it to get rid of the manager. But if, if people want to run with that, then fair play. <laughs> the more I read it, the more I was like, maybe there's something in that. Um, just on the game yesterday, Alfie, I mean, I know you, you sort of touched on it earlier on, but we we certainly, that first 70 minutes, it was a great start. It was a great half. We scored first, which has not happened in, in ages. And it, and it's fine margins. Again, we kind of bought it on ourselves with the last 20 minutes or so. But that first 70 minutes, we, we deserved a bit more out of that game yesterday taking everything else to one side yeah they could have easily gone on to win that game and I think to be fair it just sort of shows that Sport Republic's recruitment this January which they you know they did say Nathan Jones had a hand in has actually been quite good so far I think the, the January particularly I mean that Charlie Alcraz he looks a very good player um, he's exciting and uh, I like how he wound up for the bicycle kick and you know, when he when he knew it wasn't going to work he, he tried something else and ended up scoring it and Look, the two forwards, really impressive. I thought uh, Onyuaku, not so much in the second half. I thought he faded away a little bit. I'm sure the, the guys agree with that. But Suleiman, uh, Kamaldeen, uh, wow. I mean, if he plays like that every single game, they've got a serious player on their hands there. And you'd, you'd almost wish that he was slightly worse than that so that he would stay in the championship if you go down. Because if he's going to play like that, someone's going to spend £25 million and get your money back. Yeah. Steve, I've got to be honest, if I was picking a team to save my career, I don't know if I'd go with Maitland-Niles at centre-back. That was, that was the one that raised the biggest eyebrows mm. yesterday afternoon at two o'clock. I mean, it wasn't really at two o'clock, so I don't think anybody foresaw him when the lineup came up. I don't think anyone foresaw him being mm. the right centre back of three. Um, it was only kind of in the first two or three minutes. Like, why is he stood next to Bednarek? That's this is weird. <laughs> um, and yet, actually, strangely, it kind of worked. Right. That was it's his, it's his I mean, best it, game. Yeah, best I mean, game he's had. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's relatively low bar to clear i suspect but Very. i mean it's it's that one it's that one in bournemouth isn't it where he's yeah. where he's where he's actually played quite well but yeah he was he was he was fine and i mean that was that was certainly not what i was expecting from um from that when i saw him there i was thinking oh my god what the hell are we doing but yeah no it was it was, it was okay it doesn't say much for um for jones's sort of confidence in the actual center backs that we have on our mm. books which is strange, really strange. Yeah. Um, Glenn, he gave us one last ludicrous statement before he left, saying that he found himself. Uh, was it to our detriment that we found ourselves yeah. facing ten oh, men man. for an hour yeah. at home? It's mm -hmm. like have, have that one on me, lads, before I go. But, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you gift. Uh, where did it go? Where did it go wrong for you yesterday, Glenn? It started on about the hour mark where we 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 seemed to take a step back towards mm -hmm. our own goal, and it, Wolves hadn't really created anything up to that point, but on on. At halftime, Lopetegui brought on Adama Traore and the new left back. And that changed the game. Suddenly, Wolves started to grow into it. And 
began to believe that they could get something out of it. We got kind of scared, I guess, nervous and started stepping back towards our own goal. <laughs> so it was from about from about the hour mark. So Wolves had a little five, six minute spell where they were keeping the ball and suddenly it began to look a little bit dodgy. And the first proper attack they put together down our left hand side, James Bree, I'm I'm trying not to slag him off because obviously he's Nathan Jones's man, but that's that's four goals in a row that have come down his side. And the, the cross comes in far too easily. And and then it just could Diego Costa's trying to kick L out of everything in the in the middle. And um and somehow Bednarek does the river dance on the ball and kicks it in his own net. And and it's it's just it, it's just rubbish, really. And uh, so to let in a goal from there was um was criminal. And and from that moment on it was it was a shambles. Jones brought on substitutes, but he'd named this ridiculous substitutes bench that had basically seven attackers on it plus Caballero, plus Lianco. Takes off Perro. He's got no left back to bring on. He's obviously trying to move Salaso over there. So then for about five minutes, we no one knew where they were. They nearly scored again with a break down the left because there was no one there. So that was that was a shambles. He then has to bring on Aribo in the centre of midfield because he hasn't got... Diallo's not on the bench for some reason. You know, it's just just crazy the way it all worked out. We've obviously set up the whole game to go through Onoachu, and he did pretty well, I thought, for for the first hour. But we then took him off, and then there was nothing. There was no there was no plan. And the, and the other thing I thought of is, I remember Ralph back in the day saying that we practice playing against ten men because you have to play a different way. You have mm. to spread the play. You have to keep the ball. You have to make the other team work. You have to move it quickly. Um, That's the key. We didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue of how to play against 10 men. We just carried on doing the same thing, which we were being relatively effective in that we were creating chances. But if if Wolves could have picked a team to play against with 10 men, they'd have picked us because we just gave them the ball back constantly. There was never a period of time where we kept the ball for 20 passes and made them run around. We just, we just ended, you know, usually booted it up to tall Paul and something came from it or not, but whatever happened, we gave the ball away. And so, you know, the, and the, the last, the last 20 minutes after the first goal went in for Wolves, I just thought, you know, you could, you could see on about 75 minutes, there's only one team that's going to win this. And they probably only need one chance to do it. And again, it was it was Bednarik again. It was a pathetic header out, no pressure at all, and he just plopped it down in midfield. Um, two players got in each other's way, and that's where the goal came from. End off. Is he joint joint third? I think I read today now for the most Premier League own goals. He won behind Neil <laughs> Neil Ruddock. If we're looking at like all time um, top flight goals, Is it Richard Dunn. Richard uh, Dunn is top, isn't he? Jamie Carragher, so. I think, oh, was, was, really? was up there as well. Yeah, Steve, we've not really spoken much about Bedrick because there's been other things Good. to discuss, but that, that 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 kind of just sums up where we are. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Nathan Jones has been brought brought down by um, the guy that he hung his hat on. He brought back Yanni B. Um, just, <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, I mean, this is a guy that basically wasn't getting into our team. Bear in mind how bad we, how bad we've been since kind of the end of February last year. It's a guy that can't get in that team that was conceding like two goals a game. He then gets sent on loan to Villa and doesn't get a game for Villa. Come, comes back with his tail between his legs because the new guy thinks that he's the man. And he plays every game and he's terrible. I mean, the guy's, the guy's pathetic. Like turn, he's turned his back on two shots for that second goal. Um, the first one has hit him, hit him in the backside, and it's come straight back to the guy. And he's, he said, "Thank you very much. I'll, I'll stick that in the corner." And Bazuni's got no chance. Like he seems to be in the team as some sort of organizer, but 
Mm. He doesn't do any organising. All he does is, is whinge at people. The only like you like on the on the TV coverage um, out here, you see, you see, like every time it zooms in on him, he's shouting at somebody. Not and it's not. Uh, it's very clearly not an encouragement. Not instructions. Shout. No, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's why have you not done that? Why why am I dealing with this person? It's like. I mean, that's your job. You're a defender. Deal, deal with, deal with what's in front of you. And yeah, Jones, Jones has brought brought him in at the expense of players that a lot of people think are better and a better pedigree. Um, Chaletta Sarr is not perfect. Um, Lianco also not perfect. But um, ultimately, they've they've all they've both completely outperformed um, Bednarek. And mm. I mean, from let's be let's be fair. From yesterday, make the Niles was a better centre back than than Jan Bednarek. Thing, things we never thought we'd be saying. Yeah. yeah, and and yet that's that's where we are. And and yeah. I mean, whoever comes in will surely sort of assess the the way the last month or six weeks or so has gone, and basically just say, yeah, nah, sit sit this one out for the rest of the season and just be on, be on your way. Alfie, before we move on, the positives, some good debuts, good full debuts yesterday. Do, do, are you confident that somebody coming in can actually get that squad ticking and, and start getting some results? Is there is there enough there from, from what you saw for that first 70 minutes? Yeah, look, obviously I'd mentioned about the, the, the guys who performed really well. And actually, up until the guy, I thought James Bree did well as well. Um, mm. So it was a, like I say, it's a shame that Glenn's absolutely right to point out that a fourth goal in a row has come from that side of the pitch. Uh, you can't keep doing that. Um, but look, is there enough there? I don't know. Probably yeah, maybe not. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a task, but there is a system there that works. There is something there that it's a very basic football system. It's lump it to a really, really tall fella and have a really quick fella run off it. It's not rocket science. Any coach that comes in can and, and should do that. Um, but it could be pretty effective and they have to believe in that. And the midfield's pretty good as well, isn't it? You know, Romeo Lavia, Charlie Alcaraz, James Will Prowse, and even Ibrahim Diallo, that's a good good four man selection. You you can put a few combos there that will work. Um and like you say, I think um Steve's absolutely bang on. It's just they've just a pretty desperate and deluded effort um, by Nathan Jones to save his defence with Jan Benneret coming back. You know, not necessarily apportioning all blame to him, but just uh, just not what they needed. And it's something that he believed he did. Obviously, he felt he looked at his options and felt there wasn't what he wanted there, and he thought he had it totally incorrect. Unfortunately, um, and you'd like to think that a new coach will will see that and do Jacques Car, Mohamed Salasu, those guys are better. Yeah, all eyes on the starting lineup at Chelsea. It, it's unbelievable that the three games he actually won in a row, Benarek didn't play in any of those, did he? Mm, do you do and then he, and then he comes back in and and we're rubbish. Know, it's, not totally, it's not totally his fault, but suddenly, yeah, mm. it's it's bizarre. The more you think about it, the more bizarre it is. He's the captain chaos of central defenders. That's the problem. Things seem to happen around him, whether it's his fault or not. It's just always around him. Jenny B, Captain Chaos, sounds like a kid's cartoon. I'm going to start writing the books. We'll get on to previewing the Chelsea game in just a moment. I want to chat about the fans forum. Ed is one of our patrons. He's in our Mick Shannon tier. Um, and Ed was there on uh, Tuesday night evening. Ed, thanks for joining us. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, all right. Um, so Nathan Jones stuff aside, uh, how did it go uh, on Tuesday? What was the mood like in the room at the forum? And did, did you leave there feeling a bit more confident than when you went in? Uh, I don't know. I think it. I think the uh, the evening started with everybody really not knowing how it was going to go at all because um, everyone arrived. There was general milling around, um, and then you know all these gentlemen walked in the room. It was all very professionally set up, and I think everyone thought that it might be contrived. There may be you know questions that would have already been put to the uh, to the group, and they would answer those in a you know in a orderly fashion. But actually, they did go to the floor and they did ask questions. I. I do wonder whether or not the questions were pointed at 
certain people um, on purpose. I think I've been listening to you guys talking about Bednarik in the last, you know, 15 minutes. And, you know, I asked the question, what's the guy even doing, you know, in the building, let alone on the on the pitch after what he said about our football club? And it's embarrassing, you know, and I think they answered the questions. I think I'm not sure I how much I trust Rasmus after that performance the other night. I like the others. I think Steele, Simmons, Kraft, they come across well. I think they generally mean well for the club. But I worry about Rasmus and how he is like a he's like a bit of Teflon, won't answer the question, won't take the responsibility for employing Jones in the, in the first place. And he is a real deflector. Um, and, you know, someone ultimately has to take responsibility for what has been a three-month cock-up, frankly. And it, and it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for all of us as, as Southampton Football Club fans. And, you know, we have to go to work on a Monday. We have to, you know, have the mick taken out of us on a consistent basis. Well, that kind of comes with the job of being a Saints fan sometimes. But this last three months is it's just embarrassing. And I, and I think we, you know, you tried to say that. I think they listened. And it, it was an interesting evening. It was well worthwhile, for sure. And did you hang around and chat to them afterwards? Because I saw a few pictures that actually, once it finished, they they did at least hang around and they did chat to a few people and they seemed to engage quite um, positively with, with those that were there. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't hang around because there was a mass scramble to get to... Uh, you know, to to these guys and have a conversation. I think those that those that really, yeah, there's other there's other people who are heavily into social media who they call themselves the younger saint supporters, and they were at the front of the queue. They were there, <laughs> and, and I find it amazing that these people can stand up and say what they do, and then the minute that the forum's over, they're up there, getting in getting in amongst you know what I would call the the the, the people who are running the club and having a drink with them I, I i don't understand how you can say what you say and then you you behave that that way that wasn't for me that's not what i am i said my bit and i left well there are positives to take away though ed from the night um obviously results results will determine of course the mood and, and what we take from most things but were there signs of, of encouragement and i know there was some stuff around if we get relegated and and, and the investment for example i think that they are heavily invested in the club i think they've shown that in the last six months or so and maybe longer they bought the club they bought I think they bought some good players I, I think they just didn't have someone who could run it but uh, I, no I think they are invested I think they're here for the long term I, and I generally think they care about the club I, I really believe that I do 90% of them I, I would say so I think they're in it for the long run I think that if we the ultimate happens and we go down and we are in a very very difficult position I think they'll support the club and I think that they'll do their best to get us back up but that's no easy task as we all know the mighty fall and they can fall very quickly. I'm going to get your thoughts on where we go next, Ed. I just want to bring the other guys in. Um, Alfie, I know you would have um, had to watch that and, and listen through to the transcript and, and write it up afterwards. Was it a, a worthwhile evening for you? Do you think they could have been maybe forgiven for, for cancelling it altogether, given the circumstances? Hmm. I don't think they'd have been forgiven for cancelling it, that's for sure. There would have been a riot if they'd done uh, When I was on my way to St Mary's, I found a little um, a little sign that was Jones out left in the tunnel. Um, coming over the over towards the Kingsland stand, um, so the the mood was obviously quite clear, and they wouldn't have got away with not doing it. I li- yeah, I listened back to all of it. Um, I thought it was pretty fair. I enjoyed it. I thought you know it took about forty five minutes for Henrik to to get in, but when he did, uh, I enjoyed what he had to say. Um, they're on. They they do seem honest, and I understand what Ed was saying. You know, with, with some concerns, but they they want to do two or three of these a season, don't they? And if, you know, if they do that, and they'll say that the manager will be included in the ones at the start and the end of the season, but they won't be including the ones in the middle of the season, which are just for the owners. So that's their that's their official line on that. And um, 
Jacob was told that at the press conference on, on Thursday or Friday as well. Um, yeah, look, they've got to do it. And I think fair play to him. I spoke to Laurent Menemy, actually, I suppose, on Thursday. I spoke to Laurent Menemy and he said that um, there was no way that they'd have held one when they were bottom of the table. So you've got to give credit um, to the club for that. And Glenn, do you think that this is something which we should be really grateful for? Because I can imagine if you're an Everton fan, you'd love the opportunity to sit down in front of your board and, and fire some questions at them at the moment. Yeah, I, I think it's a good thing, and I was I was pleasantly surprised by by the sort of standard of questions, if, you know, because if you um, if you if you take Twitter as a barometer, which you obviously never should, you know, it was going to be a a riot with uh, people with pitchforks and um, burning down the Ted Bates statue or whatever. But it was um, no, it it was decent, and um, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but the the points that were the points that were raised, I I thought in the main were um were pretty good. I mean the one the one thing I'll say in defense of the the people that spoke is that you know you, you're not going to I mean I'm sure they'd already decided that he was gone. But they they're not going to they're not going to say that because there's you know HR implications and all this sort of stuff. So they then they're not going to say that and they they're not going to give you know just give you the answer that you you want to hear. There's there's a certain amount of professionalism that that has to be around events like that but yeah you make a very good point about Everton because if you in the aftermath of us beating them a couple of weeks ago they uh I, I became sort of fully aware about how sort of distant their owners are and the way they're kind of doing propaganda through talk sport rather than actually talking to fans and things like that so uh so yeah I think it's um I think it's a good thing for the guys to um to, to put themselves up and it was a very difficult time to do it let's face it we're we're bottom of the league and we'd lost whatever it was six games out of seven so uh, no fair play to them and uh, I think fair play to uh, to a vast majority of the fans who put their um, put their questions forward because they were decent yeah we, we've called them out a couple of times for for not communicating and, and that's something that you can't hold against them now from the last couple of weeks they've certainly stepped up as far as that's concerned Ed just before we let you go where do we go next Jesse Marshall we see the rumours today um, are you team Marsh or uh, what are your thoughts on where we go next well, I think all the Managers that are free are pretty underwhelming, aren't they, at the moment? Um, but that's why they're but that's why they're available, isn't it? Let's yeah, be let's yeah. be honest with you. Um, I, I just think that we don't we have we've got very little to lose now because we're we're rock bottom. We have you know if you look at the teams around you, you've got Bournemouth, you've got Everton, um, you've got Leeds, you've got Forest. None of those have got better squads than we have, in my opinion, on a man by man basis. But you know Everton are now being managed by someone who can organise a team, can set up a team to play a certain way, and we need to find that person that can unlock this team and, you know, get the best out of it for the next 16 games. And there's still plenty of points to play for. And I think we do have the personnel who can get us out of it. You know, ultimately, it will be the person who who takes control and takes charge that that, that gives us that chance. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on tonight. That's a really vital insight, a really valuable insight into the, the fans forum and what happened there. And it's good to get your uh, your views on when we go next. So hopefully next time we get you back on, it'd be uh, discussing staying in the league and uh, and getting some goals. So uh, we'll let you go. But thanks for joining us, Ed. Cheers. Thanks. Take care. Cheers. Bye. So it's Chelsea next in the league. Steve, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Is it a, a free hit for whoever may be in charge, be that um, Sellers or, or a new coach? Or is this a genuine chance to, to pick up some points, do you think, the way they're... they're faltering a bit at the moment they're a funny side aren't they they've looked I mean I thought Saturday against West Ham first 20 minutes I I was thinking oh god this is this is a proper proper attack that Potter's suddenly stumbled upon now um Jal Felix seems to have made a big difference obviously um got himself sent off on his debut against Fulham but actually at that point he at the point of his red card he was probably man the match 
such as the way it was going for Potter and everything just kind of falling apart at the seams. But they've, I mean, Chelsea, let's be honest, they've, they've got an absolutely ridiculous squad of, um, of riches available to them and they should be better, should be doing a lot better than they are. And I think ultimately Potter will get there. We know that Chelsea is a team that the, the manager doesn't get afforded time very often. Um, I know they've had a change of ownership, but I think realistically, once the once the move turns at Stamford Bridge, you're you're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. And if we go up there, then I if we go up there and get something, which I mean we could do defensively, I think Chelsea are a little bit um, little bit weak. They're they're gettable. You can run at them as good Thiago, as good as Thiago Silva is. I think um, a 38 year old playing alongside a younger guy who maybe doesn't really know how in what ways you have to cover a guy like that. Because while Silva will step out and he'll he'll make all the interceptions because he reads the game superbly, um, the ball over the top and sort of in behind him is where he's he's naturally going to struggle. And um, I think that's where like Suleimana will be will be absolutely ideal for because we won't play I I would like to think at least we won't play him as an out and out winger. We'll play him as kind of that sort of support striker just off um, just off tall pull, and we can we can then work work our way through there get the ball in in behind Thiago Silva and whoever's playing at right back um not sure if James is, is James fit I think he think he might have played played a recent game so yeah I mean there's there's gaps there to exploit but you've obviously got to keep the door firmly bolted at the other end and at the end of the day the, the reason why we are bottom of the league is basically because we've not been able to do that um in games um one clean sheet all season in the league and I mean, in all honesty, we've not really looked like keeping many others. So that's where we've got to, um, got to improve first. But I think against Chelsea, the only way we're getting um, getting anything out of it is we've got to score at least twice, I would say. Do you think, Glenn, the ideal outcome is that we win, Potter gets sacked, then we get Graham Potter? Is, is that something that... that... <laughs> yeah, they, they seem to have um, very firmly nailed their their colours to the mask with Potter. And I it looks like they're going to keep him for the rest of the season under Abramovich he would have been gone in January without a doubt doubt. it's a different time now at at Chelsea and I think you know I think the I think the ownership will will stick with Potter if they end up finishing ninth or tenth at the end of the season then he'll be gone but it's um, whilst I'd like Graham Potter as our manager I don't think that the timing is going to fall into place this time Um, might happen in the future but it's 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 not going to happen this time having said that you know Chelsea are still a pretty um a hard club to like if you don't um if you don't support them when I mean, we've had you know at Saints we've had the Jimmy J Morgan thing recently where he's uh, he's gone off in search of first team football at Chelsea which is which is laughable <laughs> um and there, there was a bit of momentum building about Chelsea's um the way they played the the you know the FFP system with uh, giving players mm. contracts until they're 48 Ten-year contracts, yeah, yeah, and you know, amortization is a word that everyone's become familiar with. But suddenly, that story got blown off the back pages by the Manchester City financial thing. So nothing ever seems terribly ethical about the way the way Chelsea do things. But they are what they are. It's eleven players on the pitch. They cost a stupid amount of money. I mean, I don't know how good this Mikhailo Mudrik is. They've paid. 90 million for him or whatever it is I, I don't really know how good he is so it will it will be interesting they will undoubtedly have individual players who can do fantastic things so we have to play well as a unit I hope that we go with a back four 
and you know just try and drill that back four this week you know a right right and a left back and two center backs one one left footed one right footed that'd be great get them all <laughs> really really drilled this week to play and hopefully we can cause Chelsea some problems at the other end of the pitch do you think the starting lineup Alfie is going to tell us more about Nathan Jones perhaps you know players coming back in mm. formation changes um playing better players in better positions do you think it'd be quite telling when we, we get that team sheet on Saturday it would definitely be an eye-opener if Duyo Coletica is still not in the team that's for sure I think there'll be a lot of questions then I mean okay maybe maybe the, maybe there is something then um but look uh yeah it's very similar isn't it to the sort of Liverpool one where um Nathan Jones actually did take the take the game after sort of one day of training with the team, they've got they've got this week now, and um, Ruben Sellers will, will potentially take it, and maybe, you know, maybe he'll stake a claim for taking the rest of the season. We'll see. It's, I think Glenn hit the nail on the head. It's eleven players, and they're all very expensive, and they're all quite good. You just have to see what happens, don't you? I think Chelsea's quite a good away day, though, isn't it for for the supporters? Um, it certainly is for for us in the media. So I think it'll be a good atmosphere. And look, you, you can't ask for much, can you? But at this point, you, you take a point, and you'll be very happy with that. Well, the crowd is certainly going to be behind the team because there's not going to be any distractions uh, at the weekend, which is good. Um, chaps, I'm going to ask you for some predictions before we finish. Um, Glenn, you've leapt ahead of Alfie at the moment at mm. uh, 17 points. So, Glenn, I'm going to come to you first for the the honour of predicting the Chelsea score. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's next <laughs> it always impossible. goes so well till we get to this. <laughs> it's next to impossible, isn't it? To, uh... I'm seeing three ones. I'm seeing two nils. I'm seeing four nils in the comments. Uh, let's, let's be logical about it and say a... A better performance, but a 2-1 defeat. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alfie, are you going to go the same? Or do you want no, to, I'll go 1-0 uh, if Glenn's going for that. I'll go 1-0 to Chelsea. 1-0. Um, uh, yeah. All right. And Steve, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, yeah, an annoying, um, annoying narrow defeat, I think. Um, but I think we'll I think we'll get goals. Um, okay. That defence is, their defence is, ro- is pretty ropey. 3-2. Uh, Three, two, defeat. Right, I'm making a note of those. Um, big shout before we finish for the women's team, by the way. Another win today. Katie Wilkinson scored the winner as the Saints women's team won um, one nil at Sunderland. So fair play to them. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Don't forget, you can follow Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints pod. The website is totalsaints.co.uk. Uh, there's a link to the online shop on there as well. We're also on Patreon, and that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast four different tiers ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month and a special shout out tonight to uh mike binks who's just joined the bobby stokes tier whilst we've been live this evening so uh thanks for your support mike much appreciated each of our tiers comes with different perks including weekly shout outs for those patrons in the francis benali and the mick shannon tier so thanks as always to dave melton mark atkins and matt hall in the franny benali tier and also to colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy who we spoke to earlier nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in the mick Shannon here. Cheers, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Cheers, Alfie. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.